The VC Show is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, but you must be 21 or older. The VC Show, let's go. What's up? This is the VC Show presented by Caesar Sportsbook. You know who it is. Roz is still out doing what she does, but I got a special guest, a friend, former head coach, guy who's been around, guy I've had some battles with, guy who's very experienced in this game, Coach Lloyd Pierce, man. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for being on the show. I know I've had you on other shows before, but man, thanks for blessing the VC show today, man. How you doing? I'm good. I appreciate you uh, having me on. Well, first off, man, I, I'm flicking the channel one day, and I meant to text you that, but I flicked the channel one day, and I turn on um, TV, and I see you uh, well-dressed, talking about the game. I'm like, okay, look who's on the other side over here. I love it. How's that been, man? How did you enjoy kind of talking to the game? Obviously, you coach the game, player development. You've done it all, but being on that side, kind of talking about the game, how's that been? How was that experience? Um, you know, I did it, I think in 19 or, or yeah, maybe 19. And then oh, I that's did right. it in, in 2021 after I got let go. And, and I thought it was, for me at the time, it was great. It was great to just be on the other side, kind of be, um, no pressure, <laughs> the, no pressure, no pressure at all. Uh, I was around good company. Sam Mitchell has always seemingly been around there. Isaiah Thomas, Smitty, Steve Smith. And so I, I just had a great time. I was in Atlanta at the time when I first did it. So when they called this year and, and a, you feel good that somebody's calling to have you come back. Uh, but I thought it was great. It was a great opportunity to talk the game, prepare for the playoffs and uh, get around the same folks. So I enjoy doing it. Um, I think it's one of those opportunities that you never thought you'd be talking <laughs> basketball on TV. Right. And all of a sudden it's like, it's not bad. It's pretty good. And is it something that you could see yourself doing down the line? I know like coaching is in your blood. I know you got a lot of coaching left in, in, in you, but is that maybe something down the line you would do you would do or is it like kind of like I did like once our season was or my season was over wherever I was I would kind of go into to TV just to do some work while my season was over is that something maybe you would do until you're done with coaching yeah I think the beauty of of basketball uh for all of us is once you're in it and you realize all of the the different channels that basketball has whether it's coaching <laughs> Uh, player development, management, ownership, TV. Um, you know, I do a lot of basketball without borders, so I'm I'm out of the country right. and, doing, and right. teaching and expanding the game. I think once once you realize that basketball has provided and opened so many opportunities, it's just the next layer. So you know, obviously, right now I'm I'm a coach and I'll stay a coach, but I think whenever that ends, I'm going to stay involved in the game in some capacity. So this is a great opportunity. When I do TV, it's a great opportunity to just learn a new, a new craft, a new skill. And it's like different. It's a different, it's a, if it's a different learn, like, I mean, like you feel like, you know, the game, but it's kind of like you're trying to learn a little more about the player. And, you know, especially when you're doing like a, a, a network instead of just for a team, you right. kind of got to kind of play catch up and do some studying. It's a lot of studying involved. I mean, because I think people feel like it, it. Well, I say this: it always depends on how good you want to be. 
as as an analyst because like you can go up there and you can talk basketball you, you're around it every day so it's easy to what you see you can look at a stat sheet and figure out what just happened in the game without watching it like yeah. you could turn the game on now and miss of a half and like oh man such such mm. He, he's gotten, he's, you know, cause you know him. So, but like when you kind of dive deep into it, like that's when you can kind of go to the next level. So I say that like, it, you know, for you, what was kind of the, what was the most difficult thing? I, I've heard people say it's not really talking about it. It's more so everything kind of goes on in your earpiece sometime. In, yeah. in, in, you, what's, what's kind of the weird that thing took, for you? Yeah. That took a little bit of getting used to, but I also felt, when you come in, you know, I, I came in off the street, basically, you, you know, you're joining Sam and you're joining some of the hosts. Um, so they're used to it. So it's just, you know, guide me, tell me where you guys need me. So the airpiece part is, is very, it's comforting because they're telling me, hey, five seconds left, 10 seconds left. So, you know, eventually I need to wrap this up. I may have right, more right. thoughts, but I need to wrap this up. Right. I think the biggest, the biggest challenge is trying because coaching and commentating really are the same in terms of you're trying to educate your audience when you're coaching you're trying to educate your players on game situations how to execute technique it's still about you know breaking down something and seeing them do it right and so when mm-hmm. i'm on when i'm on the tube and i'm trying to explain what i'm seeing or what's going on in the game you're trying to do it from a coaching perspective, because I think that's why they have me there. You're trying to give them a coaching perspective of what you see, what you anticipate, or what may have gone on in the game. But the challenge is you got to do it within, you know, the framework. Of that. <laughs> yes. You know, that's, once that yeah. clip is up, you know, it's like, hey, here goes such and such down the lane and against the drop. You can't explain all of it, but you got to do it in 10 seconds. You got to do it in five yeah. seconds. And I think that's the biggest challenge that I have. Or sometimes when you're on with somebody, you get that 40, 30 to 40 seconds, but it's a lot of information you want right. to, you want to paint the picture like you would do your team. Yeah. that That's when it gets challenging because you can go in depth with, I think sometimes you can explain it to, you know, to the audience. And if you were, if you had more time, they'd be like, ah, oh, that makes so much sense as opposed to 30 seconds worth is you don't really get right. the, the painted picture like you want it. So that, yeah, that's, that makes sense. Uh, let's move on. Uh, your time as a head coach, like what was, when you look back at it, what was kind of the challenge as a new coach that you, you felt like today, like you like, mm, I would look at things. And I, and I, I think I know some of the answers to this, obviously being with you at, when you got the job and, and I still appreciate you giving me the opportunity. I appreciate yeah. that. By the way. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's good looking out. But as, as, as a coach in your time in Atlanta, I mean, uh, you know, so, I think I asked this question because I'm, I'm going to use Coach Missoula as an example. Yeah. And you look at the playoffs, and you know they, they, you, you we, let's talk about the timeout that they felt like he should have called, and some coaches would because would call a timeout, some wouldn't because they felt like they had their team prepared. And they're always saying he's he doesn't have experience in this position. So I, my thing is, I'm like, all right, well, Doc Rivers didn't have the experience, but he had to go through it. Yeah, such such you know all time. Uh, I mean, the laundry list of people who who, who some of the Popovich like it, they had to go through it to get there, and they're getting like real time experiences. Like for you, like the same thing. But like your time in Atlanta, you know, what did you you learn? Like now, like as going for if you get that job uh, opportunity again, like you you learn what from coaching. In Atlanta. Yeah. Well, let's 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 rewind. 
first and foremost, it was my honor to have you with me in Atlanta. <laughs> like you get the job, I get the job, and Travis says, "Hey, we got a chance to get Vince," and I'm like, "Let's do it." <laughs> right? like, you always want a veteran, experienced guy in the locker room, and someone of your caliber to have there was 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 beyond. Um, you know, beyond expectations of what you're looking for in your first year. So I appreciate that. Appreciate having you. So you know all of the the goods, the bads, the ups, the downs, all of the right, stuff right, that right. we were trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I and I and then I go back and I say uh, to anyone that's listening, or to anyone that's coaching, or to anyone that's been in the seat of a head coach at any level, you're not prepared for the job. Um, you're prepared for the opportunity. And there's a big difference between the two. I was prepared for the opportunity of building a staff, having a vision of what I wanted to do offense and defensively, having a vision of what I wanted to do in terms of creating a culture. Um, You you know the game. The X's and O's aren't the hard part and really aren't aren't the big part of the job. You know, you can Mm -hmm. input anything you want offensively and defensively. And a lot of it's based on where you've been before and, and how you see the game. But when the game actually happens and you got to sub in, you got to make adjustments and you got to coach personalities and you've got to prepare for situations that you have never been in before, not only as a head coach, but with the with the team, with the guys, you don't know who who is ready for the moment. You know, and I'll give you an example, like who takes the ball out on a side out of bounds play with three seconds to go? You know, you you think you got a good passer. You don't know if that's a nervous (laughs) passer. You don't know if he has the right height or size to see the entire floor. You don't know if he has the composure to get to four and a half seconds and then call that timeout. So all of those situations are new for the coaching staff, for the players. And more than anything, um, you're prepared for the opportunity, but you're not prepared for the job because the job requires much more than any of us would think. You know, yeah. when a player is going through something personally, you now carry that burden. You're dealing with it. You got to you got to call him at home. Hey, is everything good? Anything we can do? Player, staff, front office, training, strength, all of those people become your responsibility and you carry any burden and every burden that they have. And you're trying to manage all of those things. So I say the X's and O's are important. Uh, but that's where you empower your staff. That's where you learn to delegate. That's where you empower your players. So, you know, getting back to the other part of the question is, you know, speaking about a Joe Missoula type or any first year head coach that's in a pressure filled situation and is being scrutinized. No, he's not prepared for the moment. He's prepared for the opportunity and he's done a tremendous job with the team. But you know, he's trying to stick with some of the things that he went through all year. And I heard him say it all year. You know, we we played through runs and really trying to empower our guys. But now it's different. You know, it's different when you're doing that in 82 games. Now when you get into, well, this is a game and this game is all that matters and mm-hmm. we can't afford. Now you have to make those decisions. And he's either trusting his 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 gut with his players and he's trusting and empowering his players, or he says, I got to make the right decision. And I think, you know, we saw the, we saw the response the other day. Uh, this is what we do all year. And then the next day he came out and said, I probably should have called it. Like he will be better. I will be better the next time I get an opportunity. Right. Because I have been a head coach. I, I was prepared for the opportunity. 
now you know how to prepare for the moment a little bit better because you can look back and say, man, I wish I would have done this. I wish I, and if you're not doing that, you're not self-aware. You can easily blame everybody for everything. But I had to go back and say, I probably should have done this a little bit better. I probably should have spent more time here. If I get the chance, I will continue to do this and maybe change that. But when you get that experience, you have the opportunity to evaluate. And when you can evaluate, you can always grow. Yeah. And it also is like you know, the freedom to do some of those things, like you say, to make those changes, too. Because, as you know, some first year coaches get, you know, they have the job, but they're not in control of the job. Right. If you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And right. yeah, I've seen, I've been obviously playing with younger teams. I've seen guys in, in those situations or coaches in those situations where it's like, you know, they want to do this or they want to make changes and you don't get that opportunity. So it's like, I feel like that's where you're also learning. Cause like, Oh, if I get the opportunity, I could probably do this and have more success as opposed to, you know, what they wanted me to do. So, so on and so forth, so forth. So I, I just, you know, it's interesting. Um, every every job different. I mean, what, that's you're, saying, that's what, yeah, saying. what yeah. you're saying is, you know, not all jobs are created equal and right. not all players. You same thing you tell players, you know, you can treat everybody the same. We're going to treat everybody with respect. We're going to treat everybody uh, with equal opportunity. Not everybody's going to get the same level of leeway. You know, the, the guy that's yes. the 10th guy, he makes that one mistake. You, you got to get him out. You know, the guy that's the guy, your, your top guy, he's going to average four or five turnovers. He's going to make, he's going to take a couple bad shots, but, He's in position to do that. The other guy isn't. So I'm going to still treat everybody with respect, but I can't give you the same opportunity and I can't give you the same freedom. And so every job is like that. You know, Missoula has taken over a, a team that went to the finals the year before. Nick Nurse took over a team that acquired a guy that was pretty good. Uh, and then there are some of us, myself included, who, who, who take jobs and will continue to take jobs that are building through the draft and in development mode. And that's the, that's the beauty of the, the job is you take on any challenge. If you're a confident coach, you take on any challenge and then you figure out how to make it work. And some people you, get the support to go longer and some people won't, but we all understand that's part of the business. Part of the business. And, and I feel like this is a vet, a, a guy who's been a veteran on a team and I think you will agree with this. And I think any coach, first year coach or younger coach will agree. It's important. It's imperative. You GMs, owners, you have to have veterans on your team because I think you will help first year coaches, younger coaches or whatever, however you choose to, to, to call it. You help them because yeah. of those things you just talked about, because now you can rely on what not not even like what you hear in the locker room. But like we've had conversations about decisions things that we've done how did it hit how did it resonate and we've gone back and forth ah you know they didn't see it like you know for me obviously being older and younger it's like i i could see where you were going with situations as opposed to the younger guys it right. just was like all right they's looking at face value like nah i didn't get it and they didn't yeah. see the bigger picture so i, I feel like that's the importance and I, I felt a responsibility you know, as a, you know, a player, like a player coach to, to, you know, to, to relay what, what you're trying to deliver sometimes. Cause yeah, you know, as you've been a player, you know, sometimes coach is talking like, and then the player be like, nah, he just trying to, 
Ah, I got it. I got yeah. it. You know, so and, and it, it made, you know, it makes your job easier too. Well, because- yeah. I think the beauty of coaching and, and, and obviously a lot of my stories will go back to you. Like I, I'll run something. I would run something by you and say, Hey man, this is what we're doing or this is what I'm trying to do. Um, and you're going to have a different conversation with the players than I would have. Mm-hmm. And course. as long as you know, well, hey, here's here's where LP's coming from with it. You may not agree with it, but here, here's what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I think coaching is that. You're, you're trying to get players to buy into X, Y, and Z. Here's your offensive scheme, your defensive scheme. Here's your rotations. Here's the culture and the environment we're trying to create. Here's how, mm-hmm. we're, here's how hard we're going to practice today and why. They're not you're, you're not you're not going to agree with everything. You may not even understand until two or three years later. And, and we'll, we can talk about how many guys have come up to me and say, I get what you were saying. I didn't get it then. I get it now. Get it now. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's the whole challenge is, can you get them to understand it right then and there, buy into it right then and there and then apply it right then and there? Is it is it practical? Probably not always. But each step you can get closer to that, the better you are. And so having a a veteran guy like yourself, we had James Johnson and George Hill here in Indiana this year, being able to talk to those guys and then them go and deliver the message in a different way, in a more appropriate way, and in a way that the players could understand was huge and beneficial for us. But it'd be great if we could deliver the message that went directly to the 19, 20, 21 year old, but that I, I'm, I'll That's be forty seven tomorrow. It ain't it. I just don't speak that language as well anymore. Why should you bet with Caesar Sportsbook? Two words, Caesar's rewards. Every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesars can offer. Hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, and more. It's not just an app, it's an empire. 21 and over must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. No one to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia, if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Or Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with the Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed to the Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. Need fresh groceries for the week but don't have the time to go to the store? Try grocery delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want, delivered when you need it, right to your door. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered, or we'll make it right. 
So sit back and enjoy quality groceries, just like you picked them yourself. With easy substitutions right in the app and best-in-class customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to a $10 value when you use the code VCSHOW at checkout. Limited time offer, terms apply. That's 50% off up to $10 on a $15 minimum subtotal and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code VCSHOW. Don't forget, that's code VCSHOW for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. Union Pacific Railroad wants you to join its team. It's an opportunity that comes with great pay and benefits. There are a variety of open roles across its 23-state network, including train crew positions, with hiring and relocation incentives of up to $50,000 in some locations. You can even get a free college education while working. Union Pacific Railroad connects hundreds of communities hauling goods Americans rely on every day. Get your career on the right track with Union Pacific and apply today at up.jobs/sports. That's up.jobs/sports. I tell everybody this. I, I didn't become a, I didn't have an agent until about a month before I got the job. And I I just kind of relied on, you know, this business is there's 30 teams. So you saying you put your bid in on your own? No. I, I was I just kind of had a hunch that I should probably start looking. And sure enough, as I was talking to different agents, you know, the agent I ended up with, I'm with CSE out of Atlanta, Bobby, my agent, Bobby Height, um, he says, hey, you know, Atlanta's interested. They, you know, they're, they're talking about interviewing you. So it, it was just like coincidental, divine, however you want to look at it, that um, I had just started to say, hey, I wow. need to find an agent. And so I'm, I'm back in that same mind frame where I'm, I, I do have an agent. I'm not pressing for the next head job, I feel. And I talked to, I talked to RC about this uh, before. I said, Rick, I, I came here to assist you and to help you advance the the Pacers organization and the program. Um, you know, in due time, there'll be a time where I need you to help me or you can, you can amplify my name. I said, but I don't need you trying to push for me for any job. And I don't look at it. I don't think any of us, myself, as a young black coach that's been a head coach, that got an opportunity and then will now look for another opportunity. I don't think any of us can say, here's a job I'm going to turn down or I would. Right, 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 right. Uh, I think the the beauty of it is when the timing is right, and I look at it as when when Indiana Pacers have really made a jump, and we, we we're one of these teams that are playing right now, and people are talking about what jobs are open and which coaches deserve That's another everything. opportunity. I feel like I will feel better about that timing, and I will also feel better that um, maybe I get to make a decision on a job versus another job at the time that fits where I am, where they are and what the alignment of uh, expectations are um, as opposed to just saying, Hey, I just come in, I, you know, you know, what are we doing? Okay. Well, I can make that work. It, right. it sounds great. It's good. Um, we're all, but, it is, yeah. <laughs> we all have egos. Uh, but I think when you have a shared vision and you have a shared plan and you know you you have ways that you want to execute that and you can communicate that with ownership, with management, with players, I think when you feel comfortable going into the situation completely, I think that's the right job.
Gotcha. And speaking of open jobs, like, uh, you know, it's a couple of days ago, Woj bomb about JJ Reddick, um, potentially getting that job there. Uh, I found it like rather eye opening, eye wowing. Um, there, here's another guy with no experience getting that opportunity. What are your thoughts on that? And do you think just knowing JJ and in seeing him as an, an analyst, do you think, you know, he has a shot? Well, I think everybody has tried to figure out. And again, I say there's 30 jobs and there's 30 different companies, you know, running those jobs. It's not, it's not like it's the NBA and it's just here's the protocol for the next job. Everybody thinks independently of how they want their organization to be run, how their team should 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 play, you know, style of play, style of player, profile of player, all of that. And I think that's what happens is everyone's trying to figure out like what's the right fit for today's game and today's player in terms of uh, intellect, uh, how they see the game, how they can execute a game plan. Will the players respect um, the coach that's making those decisions? And so you have to think outside of the box. You know, I tell people all the time, I probably skipped a step. You know, there, there are a lot of coaches that were ready and they're still ready for opportunities and here comes a guy like myself. Here comes a guy like whomever. It's just how it works. And I'm not going to be apologetic about it. I, got, I, I took full advantage of the opportunity, of opportunity. In and I'll jump in again. But I think uh, I think for JJ, he, here's a guy that's talking the game on TV every day, play the game at a serious and high level. I coach JJ in Philly. I know how intense he is. I know how detail oriented he is. But I'll go back to my earlier point. Um no coach will be ready for the moment or the experience if you haven't been in it. And the only way to do it is to go through it. You may be ready for that. Most of us are ready for the opportunity. None of us are ready for the management, the moment situations. And so you, you have to, there's anyone that gets a job is going to have to lean on staff. They're going to have to lean on veteran players. They're going to have to lean on support from ownership and management. Um, so it, it, it doesn't make it easier because he played or anyone has played right. or they talk the game. It actually makes it even more challenging of, all right, where do I start? And that's, that's for me, you know, when asked all the time about what I coach and all of that. And I was like, it's one thing being an armchair coach. It's one thing being a part, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's one thing being on, on a team and helping and, you know, seeing it one thing. And it's one thing being an assistant coach. Right. But it's another thing sitting in scooting over one chair and being that head head guy. And and for me, I, I just, you know, I, kudos to like Jay Kidd who, who went from playing his last basketball game to being a head coach to Steve Nash and, 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 and now possibly a J.J. Redick. I just feel for me at some point, if I consider coaching, I need to, I want to go through the process of at least a year or two of being an assistant coach and, and, and seeing those things and then kind of, taking notes over the year of, of how, what I would do. And yeah. it's not like, Oh, he's doing it wrong, but it's like, okay, how would I handle that? And kind of write those notes down because like you say, it's a, one thing of uh, giving your opinion to the head coach. And then all of a sudden he makes a decision. It's another thing when it's the other side. Now you get these opinions and you have to be the one to say, all right, this is what we're doing. Yeah. And so that's why I like, for me as, as a coach, I, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the dynamic of just coming off the street, if you would, and, you know, yes, I know the game, been around the game, and and, and I think I think the game, uh, I can think the game as a coach, 
But there it is. It's easy saying that on this side as opposed to trying to think the game while we're sitting in practice. All right, after we just finished practice, like, all right, what are we going to Are we, we going to quit? Are we going to keep going here? What are we going to do? Or writing out that plan. So these are the things, those are the things that I kind of like, I want to go through first. So I, I wanted to ask you that, what you, how you thought about it. Because like I said, all guys, you know, we know the game. Players like JJ, all every, we, we know the game. You've been around the game. You were, in, like I said, in Philly for all these years. But it's nothing like being that head guy, making that decision. And that's just something I don't think I'm ready for. Well, the assistant, I always say the assistant makes suggestions on a consistent basis. And the head coach has to make decisions on a consistent basis. Um, and the suggestions can go any and everywhere. And everybody feels mm-hmm. like they got the right suggestion. But the decision is what you have to live with. You know, when to sub a guy in, when to take a guy out, what play to run, um, how long practice should go on a Tuesday. You know, what time do you get into the hotel? You know, which hotel are you staying at and which city should you do dinner? You got to make those decisions. Everybody's giving you suggestions, but you have to make those decisions. And again, I'll keep saying it. You're not prepared for all those because you don't you don't know half of what decisions you need to make. You don't know what's going to happen in the news. You don't know what's being said in the media. You don't know if a player is going to be suspended five games or 25 games. Um, <laughs> so you got to make decisions from there, from the end. How to adjust your offense when that happens and you know, how to how to empower a guy who's struggling, who's one of your go-to guys. Like, all, all those things. Like, there's a few things, like, I feel like, okay, I, I feel comfortable doing, but it's, it's the other side of coaching, like you said. Like, after a while, I'm like, all right, man, y'all just – y'all pick a hotel. Like, uh, dinner, oh, bro, what's the best one? All right, that cool, we got that it. Ain't, that ain't the other side. That is that is the job. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's I mean, the, the, I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's, one side of it is, like, just the coaching. Is, everyone is critiquing and criticizing the coach on the – you know, the final time out and this, this and that, but there's so much other things that tie into it that lead into that, that are, that probably are more important. You're just trying to get to the game. Once you get to the game, you're you're usually more, more relaxed in the game, in the game atmosphere, because you've already, you've already done the work. Your coaches have already Mm -hmm. done the work. The players have already Mm -hmm. gone through the scenarios and situations. Now you just want to let them execute that. But decisions for the other stuff, that's the job. They call it running a business for a reason, because every day feels like a sprint to the finish. It takes a lot of work to make it all work. But with Clover and Merchant One, you're always a step ahead. Now is the perfect time to upgrade your point of sale technology. We make it easy to accept payments, run your entire business, and sell more. Clover plus Merchant One, better business solutions. Go to clover.com m1 to get started. All right, all right. Welcome to the VC Show presented by Caesar Sportsbook. I'm Vince Carter. Roz is doing what she does. She's busy, obviously, covering the playoffs. So we're holding it down for Roz. I have a guy. We're going to get to story time, but I have a guy here who, behind the scenes, you know, if any of you remember the Nets, when I got to the Nets in 0405 and 09, here's the guy who has and knows all of the secrets and the behind the scenes of that team in those years. VP of PR at the time, Gary Sussman, also the voice for those who are Nets fans of the VC3, created by this man right here, Gary Sussman. Gary, thank you, man. Gee, I really appreciate you joining us today. You know, first of all, uh, I'm incredibly impressed that this is sponsored, which is tremendous. (laughs) But... 
And also kudos that you know, well, I knew you wouldn't know my name because I'll tell you a famous story that uh, uh, Sam Cassell, I had to take Sam on a uh, uh, community appearance at Hackensack Medical Center. And Sam didn't know my name. So, <laughs> so Sam, <laughs> he just knew me as G Money. He gave me the name G Money. So he didn't know my name. So here we are in front of all these nurses and doctors and I'm presenting Sam. So he's going to speak to them. And so I present Sam and he gets up there and he doesn't know my name. He doesn't know who, <laughs> he doesn't know who to thank. So he goes, oh, thank you, G. And that was it. So, you know, he didn't know my name. That was it. I was G money. That, that was all I was to Sam. But he gave you, he, he gave you that name and forgot, like he just was stuck on G Money and never realized like the actual name. You know, I got to give people a little perspective on our, our relationship. So I was the first person from the Nets that you talked to when, yep. you got, when you got traded to the Nets. And I think I woke you up in your hotel room, uh, couldn't, couldn't reach you uh, initially, the trade. I was in Memphis. Because uh, I was still asleep. <laughs> I didn't know. It was hell. And the first thing you said to me, <laughs> I said, you said, uh, uh, Vince, welcome to the Nets. You've been traded to the Nets. And I mentioned uh, three players and you go, that's it. <laughs> that's who I was traded. For. I was like, no, I was like, yeah, that's it. Like just me. Like, it's like, I'm going by myself. Cause it was my first time. And I remember there again, so we're already here. So we're going to tell the story time, but I, I remember, you know, obviously, after it all happened, we had the conversation. I was like, all right, what happens next with Jalen? Because it was just like, you know, you're telling me all the guys. Because, like you said, you tried to reach me. I was asleep. Like, it was yeah. nap time getting ready for the game. So I had no clue. And I, I didn't know what to do. Like, okay, do I need to get there? How am I going to get there? Like, what <laughs> happens next? Like, wait, that's it? I'm going by myself? Like, it was just all these different emotions and, like, just trying to figure it out. Like, I got traded. But it's just me, so it's not like I can lean on somebody else. Obviously, Jalen was there, who who had been through it before. But man, and it was just. Said, you, but it, you said these are the guys I was traded for. This is it. There was there wasn't like anybody else in there. It was you know. Yeah. What's what's yeah. going on? Yeah, because like prior to my nap, yeah, prior to my nap, I was just like you know they, they said you know it's not gonna you know there was nothing there you know whatever whatever and then all of a sudden. It happened. So that's why I'm just like, wait a minute. That's it? Like, okay. All right. But yeah, I was hurt. So I was getting my nap early. So I had to go. I usually go. I was going over early to yeah. get my treatment, get my shots to get myself back. So that's what people didn't understand. I, well, some do know I was I was injured. I was hurt. I was out trying to get back. And then I, I come over to the Nets and shout out to Timmy. Yeah. Because Timmy, he, you know, with the Nets, he got, he got me right. And he, one thing he said, he said, son. Welcome to the team, but we're going to take our time and do this the right way uh, so you don't ever have yeah. to deal with this again. And that was kind of the best, you know, coming to a new team. That's one of some – I wanted to play immediately, but that was kind of the best information ever given to me, um, you know, especially particularly going through this uh, this situation. And obviously what happens – who was the first team after being traded that you're playing against? It was the, Net, uh, the, the Raptors, and you guys were coming to Toronto. So I remember you telling me, we'll meet you there. And I was advised, obviously, not to go to the game, blah, blah, blah. Just, you know. But, you know, but, when, I always thought that, um, you know, people talked about 
you know, LeBron going back to Cleveland and the response and this and that. I always thought maybe it was because of the Nets, but I always thought that your return to Toronto was way, way underplayed in terms of what you had to go through. Uh, and that was a lasting impression. If you remember, we had shoot around. There were 14 cameras. <laughs> there were 14. The fact that you know that. Cam- it looked like the playoffs. Until it was like the playoffs. And then when you came out and every time you touched the ball in warm-ups, the booze were, and that crowd uh, just, it, it, listen, they're insane fans up there. But every time you touch the ball, and if you remember, I'm sure you do, the first shot you took was from the left side, and you uh, killed Jerry. Over the rim. Yes, I did. He ducked. Yeah. He did. I remember. Yeah, I wanted to make that shot so bad to where it was like a line drive. Over, I was just trying to just pinpoint that thing, and I just remember like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, but that was – and then um, probably – I don't know if he ever told you this or um, – uh, this was public knowledge, but Jason had said to me that that game there showed him what you were made of. How about that? That game showed him what you were made of and that you he could go in the foxhole with you. How about that? Man, that's all right. Because I, t- I tell you, man, it was just – Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. And for me, it was like, you know, new team – this situation, you're kind of dealing with both sides. You, you want to go out here and play well, obviously, because of your, your former team and all the atmosphere and everything that's going on, but staying in the moment, not doing too much, but play the game. And, you know, I tell people all the time about Jason. He was a, he was a, a fearless leader, but he didn't say much. He didn't say no. much. He led by example. Jay led by the ex- example. And you can just see, like, when he was locked in, you know, when he got laser focused, you know, the kid, like, J-Kid vision that everybody talked about, that's a real thing. Yeah. And you—that's when you knew, like it was, it was, it was go time. And I mean, his his knowledge of the game—it was just—it was just amazing. Like being, you know, I was a go-to player, but it was like a different dynamic. And I used to hear, "Oh, how come Vince didn't when he played for for the for the uh, Raptors?" And it was just a different me because I was like, Jason Kidd is the point guard. Do you understand that? Like, yeah. there's great point guards, and I played with some very good point guards, but there's Jason Kidd and. He could see things before, and it's like getting used to that. It was just amazing. He was like, he would just draw it up. He's like, no, when you run down the court, just look for lobs. He's like, I see you. You're open. I was like, he's there. He's like, no, I'm gonna throw you open. Like it was just, it was just amazing. So we're doing story time. So I got one last story, and I'm gonna tell my version. And I know you, you remember all the players, and and I could never remember this player's name. But when I tell this story, you're gonna mm. laugh, yeah, and you're gonna recall it, and you know the, the the history of it to this day. We're playing. We have this rookie, and I cannot remember his name. But he, and it's not Jabari Smith, who was probably <laughs> one of the fun, <laughs> who was probably one of the funniest guys you know I've, I've ever played with. I, I I love Jabari. You know his son now is playing with the Houston Rockets. But all rookie, so we're, man. We're, yeah, all rookie. And so yeah, so he comes. This the dumb guy comes in, and we're you know I think this is after. No, this is during J-Kid time. But this young, the young rookie comes in, young kid comes in. He didn't make the team, but he always would come in. I'm going to tell you who was on our team with, at the time. Uh, Jeff McGinnis. So it's around those times. So this is when the, this is when the dunk happened, the year the dunk happened on, on, in Miami. Okay? Uh, we're, we're, we're playing, and the kid used to come into practice, and he was telling us how 
he was he was at the club and he was you know I was in the club and I was dancing 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 and he got cut from the team gosh I wish I could remember his name you'll probably remember and all of a sudden we did a tribute to this kid our teammate who was cut and I said when I dunked the ball my tribute to him was going to be his dance move which in essence became yes the rev it up and it was and and a lot of people don't understand like I, I was always asked like like it was some like some great story. Like the great story was the kid would come every day just happy go lucky, dancing, talking about, you know, dancing in the club, having a good time. All of a sudden one day he gets cut from the team and I'm like, Man, all right, well, we're gonna show him some love. Hopefully he's watching the game by when I dunk, I'm gonna do this. Well, that game, I had like four dunks that game. So the, I was just revving it up all over the place and that's kind of how that became, and, and we just did it like that week, and it kind of stuck. And, and next thing you know, you're dunking. Every, you see everybody on the team kind of doing it, and it became what it was. It kind of went from a, just a dance to just to rev it up, and obviously many, many years later. So I know a lot of people don't, didn't know where that story came from. Yeah. You, you recall that, right? Yeah. Well, can you, can you just talk about the dunk in Miami, though? Don't just gloss over that. The dunk on uh, Alonzo. That was – you took it from the right side. After I, I dunked the ball, RJ, a player two later, he goes and dunks the ball. And we play the first half, you know, going back and forth. And I remember at halftime, we're sitting in there, and I literally said to RJ, I said, man, and everybody else who was listening, I said to RJ, I said, man, we won't be able to dunk on Zoe again. I said, the only way it's – you know he's going to jump at us you know, and just make the contact first. I said, the only way we'll be able to pull that off is if we take the hit and hopefully we're up high enough we can throw it in. Literally what I said to him at halftime. And he was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> or whatever. And then the play happens. The shot goes. It gets tipped out. I remember Jay Will, white chocolate, trying to reach it, go behind the back. And I just remember one dribble, two dribbles. Like my first, as I turn around, I'm looking, and it's like the lane is wide open. And I see Zoe and Twin, Jason Collins, fighting. And Twin was so good at clutching guys under the post and then letting them go at the last minute. So he's holding Zoe under the basket. And I took the first dribble, take the second dribble, and I, as I, I'm going up, now Zoe is kind of lunging at me. And I see it. And if you notice, when I jump up there, that's why I kind of turn my body to protect myself. I'm thinking the hard foul. You know, back at that time, that's still the days of guys are still taking hard. You know, they, they're putting you on the ground. So I take the hit, but I was already in the air first. So as he's lunging, he hits me and propels me a little higher. So I take the hit, but I'm like, wait a minute. The rim is right there. So I just I just turn like, don't miss this, and dunk it through. And I just see him fall back. And instead, like, I didn't stand there. I just kind of just dunked it and kind of ran down the court, like, real cool. And I, if you ever look at the bench, look at Jeff McGinnis on the bench. He's doing the dance. He's revving it up like Linton Johnson. Guys are going insane crazy. And I remember Dwayne Wade running down the court beside me. He was like, damn. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was one of the funniest things ever. Like, he's like, yeah. And I just tried to play it all, you know, serious. But, like, inside, I'm like a kid. I wanted to be like those guys on the bench. Because um, I knew after that, Zoe was going to really take you out. That's just the way it was. But, yeah. man, it was just great times and, and, and you know, Great memories, like I said, like playing with that that group of guys coming in there when turmoil that turned into like an unbelievable season, funny stories. But Sus, man, I really appreciate 
you taking some time, taking a trip down memory lane, telling some stories, man. Any, it's always great to see you. Great to have you, man. Listen, anything for you, number one guy, and better better man than you are a player. So, thank you, man. So I can say, always a pleasure. Always a player, man. Thank you, brother. Always a pleasure. <laughs>